Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 70. Welcome back, Adam Antimaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison. Thank you very much for tuning in today, and I hope you had a fantastic long weekend. The last one of the summer, it's always a sad, kind of a bittersweet weekend. Back to school for the, our younger listeners. But I hope you were all able to make the most out of it. I myself went up north to Collingwood, Ontario with a bunch of guys. We rented a chalet for one of my best friend's bachelor parties or stag do, depending on where you're from. So I'm a little bit uh, a little bit tired today, but not too tired to be super, super excited for today's episode. Probably the most surreal episode to date when I started this podcast less than two years ago. Uh, I never thought that I would have Corey Taylor, lead singer of Slipknot and Stone Sour, on my podcast. Pretty crazy stuff. At the time that we did the interview, Slipknot's new album, We Are Not Your Kind, was number one on the Billboard 200, the best-selling album in the world at the time. And that's not just for the genre, not rock and roll, heavy metal. That was, of all music, number one selling album in the world. So pretty surreal for someone like myself who's just a huge music geek. I'm just like you guys. I'm a fan of music. And here I am, number one selling artist in the world right now, being interviewed by the Adamanium podcast and just a crazy surreal experience. Thank you so, so much to the guys at Warner Music Canada for setting that one up. And it was it was just madness. It was hectic back there. Their day-to-day schedule is so crazy. And then I was able to sit with Corey privately in what I think was either his dressing room or a catering room. Um, and we just had an absolutely fantastic chat. Corey is so, so down to earth, but also very open, you know, for someone who's just meeting him for the first time. He was very open, very personable, was very honest about the questions I asked him and about his music and what it's about. So I'm very, very excited to show it with you guys. It's one of my favorite episodes to date. So before we get into the interview, we're going to do the Adamantium Recommend section. Maybe you're, maybe you're not a heavy metal listener and uh, you're just interested in hearing uh, about Corey Taylor. And so uh, maybe you want to check out some of their music. So Corey also is a singer in a band called Stone Sour, but we're going to focus on Slipknot since that's what he's touring for at the moment and that's what most of the interview is about. So here's five songs by Slipknot recommended to you by the Adamantium podcast to check out either before or after the interview. So we're going to start with Slipknot's brand new single. It's called Unsainted. Uh, In my opinion, probably to much debate of the hardcore Slipknot fans, but in my opinion, I think it's the best Slipknot song I've heard to date. I I love the melody. Uh, I'm a big fan of melody and and, and metal, so I I love it. It's called Unsainted. If you listened to the podcast a few weeks back, you know that I went to the SummerSlam weekend here in Toronto, and Unsainted was used as the theme song to NXT TakeOver on the Saturday night. So we actually talk, talk a lot about the song and its meaning in the interview. Um, and also about about wrestling. Corey's a big wrestling fan. So that song specifically is uh, is very relevant to this interview. So that's my first recommendation. The second song I'm going to recommend is called All Out Life. It was a promotional single released last year to kind of hype up this album. Uh, and it didn't. It wasn't even on the album in the end, but it was an excellent song. came out in 2018, All Out Life. Check that one out. Then, going back to Slipknot's third album, it was called Volume 3, The Subliminal Verses. It was the first time I ever listened to Slipknot, so I'm going to recommend the first song I ever heard by Slipknot. It's called Before I Forget. 
And then I'm also going to recommend the song Duality from that same album. And then the fifth and final song I'm going to choose for the Adamantium Recommend segment uh, is from their previous album. It came out in 2014. It was called Point Five, The Grey Chapter, and the song is called The Devil in I. If you're listening to the Adamantium podcast for the very first time today, first of all, thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show and the interview. Uh, I would love for you to hit that subscribe button and tune in again sometime, whether you're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, wherever you get your podcasts, you can subscribe. If you feel so inclined, you can also leave us a rating and a review. It is much appreciated. You can also follow the Adamantium podcast on social media. We're available on Instagram, at The Adamantium. We're on Facebook, at The Adamantium Podcast. And we're on Twitter, at Adam R. Harrison. But enough blabbering from me right now, because we've got one of the coolest episodes, if not the coolest episode to date, right here, episode number 70 on The Adamantium Podcast, featuring Corey Taylor of Slipknot and Stone Sour. Uh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did. And uh, here we go. Enjoy. Rock and roll. Sitting here with Corey Taylor, Slipknot. Man, it's pretty cool it's kind of surreal oh it's all good, I'm, I'm a big fan myself trust so. me that wears off real quick <laughs> oh I, you know I, I've got to meet a, a lot of cool people since I started this a couple of years ago but oh, uh, this one's up there I have to say this one's really up there well we'll try so, not to let you down it's uh <laughs> you know it's been it's been a surreal week I photographed kiss on Saturday and oh, now nice. yeah yeah I split my pants in the pit um, I, I mean, you'll on. have that. Yeah, um, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't I even. Out, uh, I ripped out a nipple ring in a Pantera pit in '97. So that's that's no bueno. I know yeah. that pain. That's, yeah, that's it, no bueno. It wasn't <laughs> fun taking the subway home. Right. Half your trunk exposed. <laughs> that's when having a hoodie with you comes in handy. Right. Then you can just wrap it around like like single style. You yeah. Know? And because they only gave us one song from the pit and shouted oh. out loud, which is like a two and a half minute song. Oof. I caught one of Paul Stanley's picks. Yeah. And I was like, thought it was super cool, but at the same time, I'm like, I only got two minutes. So I didn't <laughs> want to fiddle with right, my pockets. Right, 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 so I right. stuck it in my mouth. Yeah. And I was like, why is this wet? And I realized it was the one that he does, like, he sticks on his tongue and then spits out. And I was like, I know. So I told my friends later, like, dude, you made out with Paul Stanley. <laughs> you kind of did, like, yeah. through a third party. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely up there with weird stories. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Ming, first of all, congratulations. We got a number one cake here, which yeah, I know yeah. hitting number one on the billboard. That's huge. That's it's pretty massive, man. Like, in this day and age. You know? Right. Like, Well, not only in this day and age, but f- for this genre, you know? Yeah. Like, for a band that's been around for 20-plus years. Yeah. For, you know, like, it's it's almost unheard of, you know? And, the, I mean, the, the crazy thing is that, you know, we've kind of... We kind of look around at a lot of our uh, our peers, you know, the, the people who we've come up with, and mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's like, I mean, comparing. I mean, honestly, it's like comparing, you know, hammers and donuts. But at the same time, it's like, you know, nobody's really come as far as we have, no. which is crazy to think about. Um, but that's it's all right. I mean, it's it, to me, it's a win for the genre. To me, it's a win for people who. Um, like it or not sometimes are struggling to 
you know, show the relevance and the the poignancy of the uh, of of our music. And it's it's something that I, I feel like it is almost a punchline sometimes for people to kind of put us down. Mm-hmm. So anything that pushes them out of the way yeah. is such a great fuck you to them that I'll I'll take it. I'll take it all day. Yeah, man, it's it's totally refreshing. When I first saw that, I was like, that's amazing. I'm so so glad it's pushed out, you know. Yeah. You know, it gets tiring when you get the same old trap well, songs. And it's honestly, the and, it's, and I mean, the reason it. why it's tiring is because it feels like they rewrite the same three songs constantly. Yeah. And that's the that's the biggest problem I have with this quote unquote modern pop music, modern mm-hmm. hip hop. Like everybody, everybody's deifying these people, and it, I'm like, where's the difference? Mm-hmm. There's no soul here. There's no difference in taste, difference in modulation, they work with the same 30 fucking songwriters Mm -hmm. to churn out the same three fucking bullshit quote unquote hits. And it's pathetic, man. It's like, so when we do get through with something that is real and something that is, uh, you know, special, different, it it feels good. It's from the heart too, man. I can tell from this album, having, I've listened to it three or four times now. Right. It you know there's some there's some very deep sentiment in a lot of these songs. There's a lot. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But were you at all? You know, I mean, Slimknot's always been about defying the odds and, and pushing you know uh, the norm. Were you at all surprised at, at how commercially successful it's been so far? I'm always surprised by yeah. how it's, it's like successful it is commercially. Like you yeah. said, I mean, to me, <laughs> the the only goal for us is really to try to top the last album right. or to, to, to write an album that makes us feel excited about putting an album out yeah. you know and that may change from time to time but for us I mean it's always been more about the process than it is about the execution mm-hmm. you know we love the craft of it we love you know it's just sometimes you can over fiddle with something and it turn and it loses its uh, its uh, say consistency but it, it can lose its uh, vitality right and for me that's where with this album it felt like we didn't tinker too much we just we did our thing and you could really feel it I mean it slaps like crazy so for me it was it was more about just being consistently good yeah. you know and putting out music that we consistently can back you know the, the success is just icing on the cake, you yeah. know? Because whether this thing hit number one or number 11 or didn't even crack the top, we were going out to tour the world because that's what it means to our fans mm-hmm. and that's what it means to us. Excellent. And, and um, you know, when I first read about this album, it was originally talked it was going to be a double album or like an art record. Yeah, that we had a be, lot. We had a lot that we were banging right, like about. Like Slipknot, Sgt. Peppers, yeah. you know, like that. What what transformed the album in those two years into what it is now? I think uh, the reality of what we had in the studio, like what was coming in, uh, especially the uh, the lyrics that I was writing, the attack that I was putting mm-hmm. in everything. Um, and the... Uh, the tonality, maybe the the energy that we were achieving in the, in uh, in the recording process. That was, you know, it really came down to the songs that we beat in the demos. Mm-hmm. You know, like the because because that's what it really comes down to. And we had about we had a, we had over twenty songs, and it came down to okay, we need to cull the herd mm-hmm. and really focus on 
this block and see what rises to the top. And gotcha. luckily, you know, I'd say 95% of those really came above and beyond the demos. There were three that we that we didn't really that didn't hit the same way that the okay. others did. Um, Is that a difficult elimination process? Because like I know no, because really I mean yeah because at the end of, at, at the end of the day. The special ones are the ones you keep listening to. Okay. And the other ones are the ones that you just kind of go, mm. Okay. You know, there's it's no cool. all my baby Let, moments. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. Okay. That's, sometimes you can get the demo-itis. Yeah. And you can really get attached to a certain song. But it's when you can free yourself of the ego. Okay. And really look at the, at at the, the album as a whole. Fan. Exactly. Yeah. That's when it really becomes something special, and you go, you know what? This isn't just for me now. This is for everybody. Yeah. And that's what this album became. It was yeah. really about, you know, the the ones that really spoke to us. Yeah. And that sometimes it wasn't even necessarily the same things that it was saying, but we just knew that those were the ones that made this, yeah. the most sense. For me, as as a fan, I always get nervous when a band doesn't. Put something out for a while because right. they're like, when they come back, are they going to be as good? You know, right, right. And then you guys put out all out life last year, and I was like, holy shit, this is what that album's going to be like. Right, it's going to be killer. <laughs> that was a killer track, and then it wasn't even on the album. Right. Um, and then Unsainted, like I'm not just saying this because we're here now. I, I think it might be my favorite Slipknot single to date. Thank you. Um, so I wanted to ask the, especially the the line, you know, the chorus line. It's got that the very powerful chorus, and that chorus line. Uh, I'll never kill myself to save my soul. What's like the you know, what's the empathy behind that? What's what are you trying to get across with that song? Maybe that song really, I mean, kind of sets the tone for everything that's being talked about. Yeah. In the album. Um, that's your uh, your your main sentence to the complete paragraph. Right. Let's put it that way. Um, it's really about realizing that sometimes in your mind, doing the right thing isn't always doing the right thing for you. Okay. Being in a situation where you feel like you're supposed to stick it out, even though it's it's so completely obvious that it's painful for you, that it is detrimental to your health, your sanity, your uh, emotional state of being, and that slowly but surely you're, stowing, you're starting to disappear, uh, which is what I was finding myself in. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a very toxic relationship. Okay. Um, that I left about uh, two and a half years ago. Okay. Um, and but I but it but I had stayed probably for five years too long. Longer than you should have. <laughs> yeah. And I'd done it for ostensibly for the right reasons you know I was trying to make it work and I didn't realize that sometimes it's just not gonna work mm-hmm. there's so many things that have to work in a in a relationship that when they don't if that's not a you know it's when there's when there's one thing you can at least work on that one mm-hmm. thing when there are several that is a glaring red flag um, that you have to pay attention to, even in spite of being a proud man, uh, a proud person who only wants to do what's right. Sometimes that 
in itself can be detrimental to yourself because of the way you were raised, because of the way that you don't want to be the guy that was divorced twice. Right. You know, like it's it's really tough, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in a situation where, you know, you feel like everybody's relying on you and yet you just know it's not right. Mm-hmm. So that song is basically about the fall from the pedestal. Gotcha. But the curious question is, were you the one that put yourself there or did they? You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. So sometimes it's, you know, I'm, I don't blame anybody for staying longer than I did, but myself, you right. know, like it was. And it's it was, something that stirs in your exactly. head constantly. So, so coming out of that, I, it, it took a lot of time, a lot of finding myself again, a lot yeah. of uh, kind of uh, therapy, this album. Yeah. Uh, it really took kind of rediscovering who I was. was writing, is writing the album like a therapy for oh, you? Oh, very much so. Right. Yeah. Um, it, was the, it was the best thing that I could do, yeah. and that's why it's so raw. My yeah. vocals are so raw. My, the, the, like everything I'm saying. You can I'm feel saying. it, man. That's yeah. like I said, I, that song has stood out to me maybe more than any Slipknot song has. And the thing that I've really tried to impress on people is the fact that, you know, to me, it's like I want them to identify with the fact that, that you don't, this ha- doesn't have to happen to you. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, you don't have to find yourself in a situation where you were miserable mm-hmm. 24-7. Right. There has to be some respite. I burned through so much uh, joy and uh, self-identity mm-hmm. trying to make something work that I just refused to admit. Yeah. Um, and sadly, I almost lost myself. So it's to me, it's it's more of a, I don't want to say cautionary tale, but it's at least so, a, a heads up that, hey, this can happen to anybody. Right. There was one other line that really stood out to me in that song. In one of the verses, I was reaching out for the hand of God, but did you think you'd shake your own? Right. Yeah. Is there? You have a little. Is there a little bit of background on on the meaning behind that? That. One? Every time I hear it, I'm kind of like, wow, it's. That's about pulling yourself out. Okay. You know, because you know, reaching out for a helping hand, basically mm-hmm. reaching out like somebody help myself, and not mm-hmm. realizing that you're the one that really needs to to be the one to first to pull take that out. step. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's really comes down to self-awareness, man. Because I've, I've struggled with depression my whole life. Mm-hmm. I've struggled with uh, addiction. I've struggled with uh, everything that kind of goes with that suffocating, negative, um, just... It, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. You know? It's one of those things where you just can't can't describe it unless you're in it. Gotcha. And knowing that you have to take those steps to be able to help yourself, which can mean anything from pulling yourself up or seeking help for yourself. Mm -hmm. That's really where it comes down to. Gotcha. And in the video for uh, Unsainted, we also, you debuted the new look um, of all you guys. What is what was the inspiration behind your new look for this tour, this album? Yeah, I mean that's 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 a clown that's a clown thing. Okay, um, it's, it had it's, a bit of a Mike Myers kind of vibe to me. I, I thought. For, uh, oh, for my mask. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was something. We all kind of work on our own masks. Okay. And um, 
for me, I knew that I wanted something that was going to be uh, aesthetically off-putting. Okay. Divisive. Fucked up looking. Yeah. But creatively could mean a number of things. Mm -hmm. It could, you know, it could mean seeing through the mask to see the paint on the outside, on the inside, you know, that, that rawness. It could mean that, because what it really looks like is that new skin that they use for burn victims. Okay. I don't know if you've seen yeah, those yeah. masks. Yeah, sure I have. That was kind of almost accidental. Yeah. And to me, it, it was, it was, it represented healing. Okay. It represented the, the, the fact that, you know, there's, you know, when you are that broken mm-hmm. or that scarred, life doesn't stop. Yeah. You have to keep going, you know, and the people who have been burned that badly and they wear that skin, mm-hmm. especially those masks, are some of the bravest, toughest people on the planet because they have to, they have to go out in the real world and know that people are going to judge, stare, and they have to basically, they use that as an armor Mm -hmm. to go, fuck you, you know what, you can stare all you want, I'm alive, Mm -hmm. you know, this is who I am, who are you, you know, I have nothing to hide behind, who are you? So to me, it was an empowerment statement as well. And, uh, you know, obviously I'm not, I, I don't want to compare my, my pain to that no, of someone think, who's fit, you know, obviously, but to me, and it's in a, in a sense as well, cause I've had people who have dealt with that yeah. really identify it's with something that. you look up to. Yeah, man, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so if, if, if anything, it's also giving a voice again to the people who maybe don't understand how to work their way through it, mm. you know? Cool. Cool, man. One thing I, I wanted to ask you uh, before we get cut off is because I'm uh, I, I know yourself like myself. I'm a bit of a wrestling geek, <laughs> and oh, yeah, yeah and, and of course, Unsainted was used at an NXT Takeover, which was here in Toronto. Oh, that's right. Hosted yeah, the whole SummerSlam week. I didn't even get to see that, man. I was going to say, did you out. get to see it? No, I didn't get. We were working. You yeah. got to watch the main event. Yeah. Especially, you know what, man? They they're playing that song all night. It went that perfectly. was Cole and uh, Cole and Gargano. That's right. And it was like a. Th- I uh, knew it was going to be sick. Two out of three falls. Oh, and like the God. third fall was like a mystery. And oh, it turned really? out to be a cage match with like all these weapons, <laughs> like attached to the outside of the cage. Fantastic. Uh, I don't want to blow the finish for you. But all right, if you all right. Seen, I'll, you I'll, I'll check it out. It. You got to watch it. I was hoping yeah. you'd seen it. Uh, no, I, dude, I. I miss. I know. So I'm much sure. Cool I'm sure your stuff. schedule is pretty. Not you know. Yeah. You're not sitting at home watching Netflix. You know. <laughs> I mean, I was honestly, yeah. I was so, I was so stoked that they picked that song anyway. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just because. I mean, we've built a really great relationship with them. Yeah. I mean, just from all out life, you know. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because they knew I was such a massive fan. fan? Yeah. Or excuse me. Or if it was just because, you know, that song. It's a rallying cry that it people is, can I- so identify with. It worked so perfectly with the event. 
it's, it was night. it was awesome. I, I just thought it was I, I thought it was killer. Yeah, especially when you when you do watch it, you'll see that song goes almost perfectly with the main event, nice. like the theme of it, everything about it. Um, it's like a marathon match. I can't you wait. You gotta watch it. Yeah, I, yeah. Th- and those are my favorites, man. Yeah. I hate the one and done. It's like, can't. Uh, yeah. It's like, god damn it. Sell, you know, show me a story. Sell me that's, on something. And that's you know? what I mean. I think that's. You know, they, they say with Hunter taking over NXT, that's what he's trying to go for. Right. That, and it's not, it's more the wrestling and the entertainment rather than the entertainment and the wrestling. Yeah, which, and, honestly, it's, it's what's put me off of the main roster right. for so long, yeah. you know. It, there's so much politics in it, and it takes away from the actual product. the real enjoyment. Yeah. It used to be, and maybe it's because, you know, I grew up when we didn't know about any of that. Right. Crap, you know, now you, you like, you know, people's contracts come up months before they're talking about you know a match and how they'll go out or whatever, yeah. and all the speculation, all the garbage, all the drama. It just it really sucks it out for me. Like yeah. I don't want to know about that. I, I want to watch the match and I want to enjoy the storyline right. that's going on. However, because of that, the the micromanagement of the main roster of the of the main show. Has taken it completely out of me. You can yeah. tell that that's not them. You yeah. can tell that it's VKM. Yeah. And I don't want to hear him talk right. unless he's out there. Mm-hmm. I want to feel the people. I want to feel their personality. You know. Yeah. And it's you know. And it's, it's like a, I'm not going to plug any other right, promotion. Right. But at the same time, we all know who I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. There's a great interview with uh, with. John Moxley, Dean Ambrose. I heard it. I heard yeah. it. I told it. it like I listen to all insight. of Jericho's yeah. podcast, man. Yeah, so too. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and it's, it gives like a very good insight into and what. It's a bum out, man. It, it shouldn't. Have, it it shouldn't have been there because no. his his Ambrose character was so over at one point. Yeah. The fact that you just you just micromanaged and mismanaged to hell a, a character that uh, dude. I was at all in. Were you? I was yeah. at all in. I watched him come. We were on this the very side that he came down, and everyone was losing their shit. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Dude, I look around, and here he comes. Yeah. And I have not heard a pop like that, and no. I can't even tell you yeah. how long. They they blew that. They yeah. blew that because they didn't want to work with him. Right. They just wanted to force shit on him, and that mm-hmm. bums me out. Yeah. You know? And it's like, look, I love WWE. Yeah. And if this, if they get fucking butt hurt because I'm saying this, fucking so be it. I don't care. I love WWE. I love NXT. But at some point, something's got to fucking give because people are turning think, away. Right. They are. Yeah. Oh well, I think it's I think it's the old man's got to pass it on. It seems to be, but I don't know why he's doing this. Mm-hmm. Like he's usually the first one to hear the audience and go, "Fuck," you know, they're on to something. Maybe, but you, maybe like. It's a senile thing that he's getting selfish in his. I can't. I can't. Who knows? He can't. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Right? He's such a. He's a genius. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Who? Nobody knows. It's funny though, man. I always feel bad for young wrestling fans that didn't get to experience. Right. You know the '90s. Oh, dude, we uh, were, dude. Not only the '90s, but the '80s. The '80s. Well, I mean, I didn't get to experience that. I had the '80s, and it was because of the '90s that it brought me back, man. And like, I mean, there was there was no better time to be a fucking wrestling. No, my, I mean, my greatest memory was uh, eight, WrestleMania eighteen was here in Toronto. Oh, Rock fuck Hogan. yeah, yeah. 
one of the greatest matches of all times, and wrestling didn't even start for 15 right. minutes into that right, match. Right, right, right. Like, the invasion part two, basically, oh, man, is what it was. It was un- unreal. That's crazy. Yeah. I man. remember watching No, no you'll that. never experience that no. again. Never. I remember watching that match and just being so, like, I had goose flesh yeah. because I was like, holy fuck, yeah. dude. It was great. Right. Well, thanks, thanks, man, so much. Oh, it's all good, man. probably... Warner calling me right now yeah, <laughs> to wrap it up but yeah, yeah appreciate you taking the time in I really appreciate it oh it's all it. good man cool the adamantium